Morning, Conky. What's the name thing of it? Today's secret word is zizib. Excuse me. There must be some sort of mistake, Conky. That's impossible. I, I, I never make mistakes. Never say never, Conky. Look at this. Zizibaluba. That is correct. That is today's secret word. What does it mean? There is no definition in my data bank for today's secret word. Then it's a mistake. No, my data is correct. Alright, whatever you say. Does everyone remember what to do whenever anyone says a secret word? Scream! Scream! That's right. For the rest of the day, whenever anyone says a secret word, which seems pretty unlikely, scream real loud! Well, goodbye! It sure was an exciting day! Your friends will never believe you when you tell them that you met someone named Zizzy Baluba! <laughs> Rest in peace to the legendary Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman. An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Punisher! Control! Tell me before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Episode 398, submission number 741, J.J. Starbuck. J.J. Starbuck aired on NBC from September 26, 1987 to June 28, 1988 for exactly one Uncle Crocs block. Wait, 16 episodes? 16 episodes. Whoa! That's amazing! This is like a super jackpot match. Seriously, we should be playing for like $40,000 right now. 16 episodes! This is an historic moment. Now you know what this means, guys. What does this mean? From now on, when we talk about any episode, we're going to compare it to the number of episodes of Uncle Croc's Block and the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show and J.J. Starbuck. Stephen J. Cannell, I hope you're proud wherever you are. And now here's Ronnie. When Texas was young, she lived by the gun. Her heroes are buried in the sand. And deep in my soul, wherever I go, I know who I am. Okay, fun fact, guys. My mom, the late great Olivia Alexander, big fan of Ronnie Millsap. I grew up listening to the Inside record 
and the One More Try for Love record. I did not know growing up that Any Day Now was a Burt Bacharach cover. Didn't know this. Now there's like two versions I will listen to. Ronnie Millsap and the late great Luther Bandros. It's gotta be Cheryl Teagues. Alright, so the king of the crime drama as we know it in the 1980s was the late great Stephen J. Cannell. His successes were many, his failures even more so. The Lost Precinct, anyone? The Last Jesus. The Last Precinct, anyone? Sorry. The Precinct Time for God's <laughs> Just ask the audience of Super Bowl twenty. Some archaeologists in the future are digging. They find this precinct. We have been stuck here for twenty centuries. Thank you for getting us out. Oh my God! It's a really old Elvis. Oh, it's me, Elmer's. Oh, but yeah, Stephen J. Cannell. I'm sorry, the lost precinct. I'm dead. I'm tapping out. I'm sorry. Yeah, it would be amazing if we had the lost precinct have a crossover with lost. The lost, lost precinct? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, jeez. I meant to say the last precinct. But no, our version's better. I'm sorry. Yeah, the lost precinct that's right up there with uh, Fat Man 66, I guess. I don't know. Oh, it's with Fat Man 66. But wait, wait. We're getting ahead of ourselves, guys. No, 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 no. You guys are totally missing the lead now. The crossover episode of when Fat Man 66 goes to the lost precinct. (laughs) He's got a problem with prehistoric cheese. Oh, jeez. Okay, anyhow, J.J. Starbuck lost... Damn it! (laughs) So anyhow, J.J. Starbuck, the last precinct. Hardcastle and McCormick only lasted like one or two seasons. Only known for that funky-looking masked writer, common writer-looking car it is. But yeah, his successes were many, his failures even more so, and he got to where he was by sticking to a very tight formula. Follow me here. He's a blank. She's a blank. They fight crime. Throw in some intrigue and a happening Mike Post theme song, and let the magic happen. In 1987, the character... That was one of the blanks was a Texas oil magnet with a very complicated backstory. And I'm pulling this from Truth by Consensus Wikipedia here. J.J. Starbuck was an ostentatious, self-made Texas billionaire who earned his fortune in oil and a variety of other investment ventures. Unfortunately, J.J.'s work had become his life at the expense of his family. Then one day, his wife Lee and son Mark decided to play J.J. a surprise visit aboard an offshore oil rig he was working with when their plane crashed en route and both were killed. Oh no. Only then 
did JJ realize that his two most important valuable assets in his life were lost and gone forever, and no amount of money could ever buy them back? From that day on, J.J. Starbuck became a changed man. He turned day-to-day control of his company, Mark Lee Enterprises, because Mark Lee, over to his trusted second, Charlie Bullets, and hit the open road in his 1961 Lincoln Convertible to see to it that others didn't make the same mistakes he did. He traveled the country helping out good folks in trouble using his considerable influence, contacts, money, and more than a little detective work. Did we mention that the Lincoln Convertible has a horn that plays the eyes of Texas? So to review, we have a San Antonio oil tycoon based in Beverly Hills playing detective with his man Friday and his niece. This is like if they made a Simpsons spinoff about the rich Texan, but the rich Texan like changed his life for some reason. And we don't meet the rich Texan's family or business partners. All we know him is as the rich Texan. So it could be a very true spinoff in the truest sense here. Yeehaw! Pew, pew, pew. So let's talk about J.J. Starbuck. Jerome Jeremiah Starbuck. Even the name sounds ostentatious. And the man behind the name is about as ostentatious as you could possibly get. We are talking about a veritable cowboy legend, Dale Robertson. He played the roving investigator Jim Hardy in Tales of Wells Fargo from 1957 to 1962, and he was the fourth and final host of the anthology series Death Valley Days from 1968 to 1970. He was described by Time Magazine in 1959 as, quote, probably the best horseman on television, end quote. Hoss. 940, he is the make man. Playing his second, his trusted Man Friday, at least in the pilot, was David Huddleston from the best worst movie ever created, Santa Claus the movie. That's right. You think and it's you the know, best, I, I think, think it's the worst. I No, I think it's the best worst movie. No, 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 no. I have nothing to say about best with Santa Claus the movie. You think it's the best. You just used the word the best. I think it's the worst. So, yeah, that fits completely. That jives. Best in your mind, worst in my mind. I will say it has a banging soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Sheena Easton, it's Christmas all over the world. Although I prefer the new edition version myself. Well, that's good, too. But Sheena Easton's version, that's the best. And also, we've talked about David Huddleston in the past. Hey, Greg, you say you know where we talked about him in the past. Where did we talk about him previously? 
we talked about it because he was in the poker episode of Super Trade. This well, also, the- he was on an episode of The Nut House. He was in the poker episode of Super Train. But also, another reason why his name rings a bell is because he was on an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, one that we've talked about numerous times in the past, the Christmas episode from 2009. That's right. And of course, as we all know, you cannot forget about Von Hayes. Yeah, Von Hayes is possibly Mac's dad. He doesn't look like an inmate. Because Von Hayes doesn't look like an inmate, or Mac doesn't look like an inmate. Von Hayes doesn't look like an inmate. Because Mac's dad is an inmate. And hey, if you've ever seen Mac's mom when she was on the uh, episode of Matlock uh, where Twilight Littleton played a lingerie store customer... Mac's mom was good looking back then. But David Huddleston was Lebowski in the big Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude. That was actually one of our uh, trivia questions tonight. Oh, the big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of the big Lebowski and it's always studying Philadelphia. That was referenced in the bowling episode of It's Always Sunny this season when the McBoyles were doing the bowling ball polishing. And Frank was eating chili cheese fries out of the bowling balls. And then he took his shot. Oh, the chili cheese fries just goes all over the place. But the best part was when one of the McBoyles was going to make his throw and hit the other one of the balls. I thought it hit him in the hand. Oh, the hand. Whatever. Ball's hand. Ball's hand. They're the same thing. Whatever. (laughs) One thing we did not mention about his assistant. We did not mention his name. And before the show, we all agreed that this was perhaps the most simplistic name ever to come out of a detective show. Charlie Bullets. Is that like a reference to Charlie Bucket? Hey, I'm Charlie Bullets. I got all your bullet needs. I got all your bullets right here in my pants. Oh. <laughs> Seriously, people, make this make sense. So obviously David Halston was cast in the pilot, but when it went to series, they went with somebody else for the role of Charlie Bullets. Somebody who looks absolutely nothing like David Huddleston. Jimmy Dean. Veritable cowboy legend, singer, actor, sausage guy. That's where everyone would know him for. The sausages. And he was in that one uh, Sean Connery Bond movie where he basically was playing someone similar to, but legally distinct from Howard Hughes in Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, Speaking of theme songs that are bangers. And rounding out the cast as J.J. Starbucks' niece, Jill Starbuck, a former Miss Universe, Sean Weatherly, who we all remember from the only Police Academy movie worth talking about, Citizens on Patrol. Yumma, 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 yumma. 
Yama, 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 yama. And David Hold Spade. On. And Tony Hawk and David Spade were in it, too. Yeah, that's right. Hold on. Mike, did you mention that somewhere had, like, a marathon of Police Academy movies? Yeah. Within, like, the last week or two, I came across on either IFC or Sundance. I think it was IFC. An entire Saturday, they showed just the first four Police Academy movies, but they showed Police Academy 1, 2, 3, 4, and then like at 8 o'clock for primetime, went back and showed 1 and 2. They didn't show 3 and 4 a second time, though. Boo. Well, they just don't get the greatness of Police Academy 4. It had Tony Hawk and David Spade, y'all. I, I get that, and you get that, but... IFC didn't get it. And Corinne Bohr. Did we not forget about Corinne Bohr? All right, so let's talk about some of the episodes. There is one more additional member to the team, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. You'll find out momentarily. But right now, let's talk about some episodes, shall we? We have to talk about the plot of the pilot, which sort of sets everything up in media res. A man kills his wealthy wife and the police investigate, and they think they have enough to arrest him, and they do. But it's after he's been charged that someone claims he killed his wife accidentally. Starbuck, a millionaire businessman from Texas, learns about it decides to go look into it. When he gets there, he learns the man chooses not to bear any responsibility for his wife's son. J.J. befriends the boy. He goes to the police and tells them he thinks the man engineered the whole thing, right down to the man who claims to be the one who killed his wife, so that they would charge him with murder, but J.J. thinks there's another charge they file against him. Thing is, proving it. But when the man learns of J.J. snooping, he frames him and has him arrested. Playing the boy, a guy by the name of Charles Winslow, Jay Underwood. Now, if you are, like Greg and myself, a low-key Disney fan, you know him from one role and one role only. As Alan Thicke's android son Chip in the Not Quite Human movies. Hey, did somebody say Not Quite Human? <laughs> yeah! Alan, we're talking about Not Quite Human. Ooh, you know I was in that movie, right? We know. Okay. You know who was in Not Quite Human 2? Who was in Not Quite Human 2? I don't remember. That would be Robin Lively, uh, Ryan Reynolds' sister-in-law. That's right. Hey, I, I hear that he owns a soccer team now. Oh, that's nothing. He's rebooting Alf. What? That reminds me, since you talk about Alf, now this doesn't do anything for our listeners, but uh, what's the name of the channel? It's Maximum... Maximum Effort. It's a reference Maximum to a effort. line. Okay. Yeah, it's a yeah, reference yeah. to a line from Deadpool. Right. but uh, And it's through, like, Freebie, is it? Yes. Okay. You guys have missed this, but... Uh, it was recently announced that uh, the, uh, Ryan Reynolds, through maximum effort, 
is bringing back Alf. The day after we're recording this is officially being called Catter Day because it's supposed to be Alf like back to back to back to back to back to back to back wall to wall. Hydra kitties. You know, it's damn time we rebooted Alf. Yes. But Alf has been kind of rebooted numerous times in the past. Oh, Alf's yeah. talk show? Alf never went away, did he? He just went on hiatus. I go. mean, think about uh, not just Alf's talk show. Remember they did that movie back in like, what, 95 or 96? Project oh, yeah. Alf. That was supposed to be the sequel to the uh, TV show. That was supposed to you know, bring closure to that show that ended on a cliffhanger. And it's on Tubi now, Project Al. So yeah, don't tell me this is like the first reboot of Alf. I'm sorry, I'm counting Project Alf, and I'm counting uh, the uh, the Alf's talk show on the TV land back in the day, even though that was like, what, six episodes? But also, I thought I read that along with Alf the TV show, that Maximum Effort is also getting like the rights to like Alf Tales. It's like oh. the entire Alf universe, I thought. Oh, this is going to be fun. It's going to be fun regardless. Just having Alf on maximum effort. I know you can watch it on Shout uh, TV, on uh, on Pluto TV, but or Shout Factory, whatever it's called. But yeah, Alf's back, but this time not in Pog form. Hey, guys, speaking of Pogs, you know we got a cool slimmer. Look, Alan, I don't want to see your slammer. <laughs> Okay, I don't want to Good see night, everybody. collection, okay? All right, just just stay there. Just go in that room in the back where we have everybody from recurring cast standing there. Okay. Hey, Susan, what do you think of my slimmer? Uh-oh. The ghost of Alan Thicke's back in pog form. <laughs> Look, don't say that out loud. You know he can't know anything about his own future. He doesn't know? Hey guys, when's the reboot of All New Threes of Crowd coming out? Get out of here, you stupid... That was me. That wasn't Alan. That was Imposter Alan. That was Imposter Alan. That was Bizarro Alan. So anyhow, more guests on this episode. Oh, we got names. Playing Donald Iskin, somebody who's made many appearances on this show and we'll make many more before all is said and done Bill Bixby don't get him angry you wouldn't like him when he's angry oh no hey we still gotta talk about Goodnight Town at some point we do that's gonna be one of our best shows of uh, 2024 I think I just don't know when we're gonna do it and playing Lieutenant Caspersons Glenn Turman from a different world and Cooley High and oh wow and as Doreen a younger Amy Asbeck oh a pre-problem child Amy Asbeck a pre-problem child Amy Asbeck oh and if you've never listened to the one episode of Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast she's on it's great. They talk about problem child and the time Gilbert was on wings. But hold on a second. There's a story in that episode 
that I'm not going to spoil involving John Ritter and Black, Mr. Black. And I don't want to ruin it. You have to listen to the episode to hear the entire story. And I swear to God, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Are you kidding me? There's one more big name in this pilot playing Vernon McKidden, Patty Duke. Nice. Well, we talked about Mackenzie in the last episode, so. Yeah, all in the family there. Good call. Episode two, A Killing in the Market. Big businessman Corbett Cook convinces a business owner to take his company private and then destroys it. Daughter Karen Whitaker goes to work for Cook, seeking evidence of Cook's fraud. Playing Corbett Cook, legendary name here, Robert Conrad. Not Bill Conrad. Robert Conrad doesn't have an issue with cheese. Robert Conrad from a lot of things, including Black Sheep Squadron. What is Baba Black Sheep? What was the clue from Jeopardy 1999? The show that's in its 22nd season? Yeah. (laughs) And Chevy responds, what is Baba Black Sheep? Uh, TV for 10,000. TV for 10,000. Longest running show on TV. Lee. Uh, what is Baba Black Sheep? That's right. <laughs> hey, there are a lot of good people that were on that show, including, I think that's one of Stephen Cannell's first uh, productions. Yep. That's right. We, so we talked about this earlier a couple weeks ago uh, regarding uh, Donald Belisario. Because we said he was a writer on there and we. Uh, connected uh, some of the actors from uh, Black Sheep Squadron to uh, whatever we were talking about like three weeks ago with uh, with Donald Barrosario. Oh, Tales of the Gold Monkey. Tales of the... There you go. Yep. Episode three. Murder in E minor. An arrogant pianist murders a judge in a music contest. JJ, who is a friend of the judge, catches on to the pianist, but cannot prove how the murder was committed, as the man has an airtight alibi. Big name playing the big bad in this particular episode. Ooh, this is a big bad we talked about previously in a live watch. <laughs> you forgot? I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you forgot... Based on that reaction, he was a big man. No, I no, I know who you're talking about. Playing Pierce Morgan. <laughs> oh my God! Hold on. This is CNN breaking news. We are recording this as we are mourning the loss of Sinead O'Connor. I have to share this letter. It's a letter to Pierce Morgan. Oh, this is great. Do you want me to read this out loud? Yes, please do. Sinead O'Connor, letter to Piers Morgan, December 1994. You are nothing but a crawling, sliming little gutter maggot. P.S. The only thing your paper is any good for is wiping my arse. Now, this would have been when he was publishing News of the World, right? Yes. Well, she certainly wasn't wrong 
considering how that ended. We didn't even mention who plays Pierce Morgan in this episode, did we? No. Kelsey Grammer. Wait a second. Are you talking about the same Kelsey Grammer from the epic movie with Adam Edge Copeland from the WWE? Money Plane. The very same. I want my goddamn money, Jack. (laughs) And if you haven't listened to the Money Plane live show, I think that's got to be one of like the 10 best things we've ever recorded. Because especially at the end of the movie when Kelsey has that big dramatic showdown, rumble time. Oh Oh my god. (laughs) I was dead. Oh, jeez. But this is like the height of Kelsey in his run on Cheers as uh, Dr. Fraser Crane. Yes. In 87? Yeah. Because, well, trying to think. He joined the cast in like 84 as like Diane's boyfriend. Yes. Yeah, but I thought the height would have been probably a little closer to about 1990 than 87. I imagine that the height of Kelsey Grammer as Fraser would be analogous to the height of uh, Jonathan Frakes as Will Riker, only with opposite effects. Will Riker grew the beard. He became a badass. Kelsey Grammer shaved the beard. He became a badass. Oh, and speaking of TNG, you remember Kelsey Grammer has a cameo in one episode. I do remember that episode. That's right. Not the only name of this episode, believe it or not. Two more names. Playing the role of... Teresa Giltno, Peggy McKay, who is a classic that woman from that thing, but has been on at least two previous entries. She was in two episodes of I Married Dora as both Lucille and Lillian Farrell. And by virtue of her role in St. Elsewhere, she was in the Tommy Westfall Universe episode. She was also on an episode of The Amazing Spider-Man. But really, most notable for playing Caroline Brady on Days of Our Lives. She was Allison Sweeney's mama. And we all know how much you love Allison Sweeney. I love Allison Sweeney. She's a dear. Oh, murder she baked those movies on Hallmark. And then for the third name in this episode, playing Albert Giotto, Eric Christmas, a.k.a. the senator from Vermont from the Andromeda strain, Mr. Carter from Porky's, and Ernie and Lars's lawyer from Mouse Hunt. Oh, Mouse Hunt. That's an underrated movie, Mouse Hunt. Was that the one from like 22, 23 years ago? Oh, yeah, with Nathan Lane. Mm-hmm. Oh yes! Oh, I've never seen that. I, I obviously need to. Oh, it's a great movie. It. Yeah, you guys are sort of uh, encouraging me to find it and, and watch it. He was also on an episode of Seinfeld, Greg. Oh, what episode? Oh, he did the trifecta. He was on Wings, Matlock, and Seinfeld. Oh, that's terrific. He was on the gum episode of Seinfeld from season seven. 
When Lloyd Braun comes back to the psychiatric hospital, Kramer takes him under his wing and convinces Jerry to buy gum from him. And Oh, where- that's the episode. Okay. Hey, he gave us an excuse to talk about Matt McCoy as Lloyd Braun. You're welcome. Oh, wait. Also, that's the episode where George is wearing the Henry VIII costume. That could be a spoiler without context. George in the Henry VIII costume. Episode four. The Blimpy Who Yelled Blue. The author of a popular children's book series. Oh, that explains it. The author of a popular children's book series kills the man who illustrates the book who is the actual writer and who is planning to retire so that he would be the sole recipient of the book's royalties. JJ, upon hearing of his plans to retire, finds it strange and goes to see him and finds his attitude very peculiar, especially when he turns a woman from a foundation away. Big name on this one, playing, well, his name is not known, but Richard Mulligan is in this episode. How soon would it have been until Empty Nest premiered? Empty Nest started in 88, so following season. Episode 5. First, you've got to go to the picnic. Starbuck installs an ex-convict slash football star as head coach of a college team entrenched in a 265-game losing streak. Who decided to hire Antonio Brown as a head coach? Ha ha ha! I was expecting a Robert Sala joke, but you went a different direction. Well done. A name from the past and the name from the future and a rather obscure name that you will only get if you're a fan of a certain TV show. Don Michael Paul. Don't know if that name rings a bell. Don Michael Paul. He plays a guy by the name of Tommy Watkins. I'm assuming he's the coach because he looks like a coach. He's known more of a writer and director nowadays. He did the Scorpion King Book of Souls, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, Death Race oh. 4. They made four Death Races? They made four Death Race movies. Wasn't one enough? You'd think. But before that, he was a that guy from that thing. He had two long tenures. One from future entry, The Hat Squad, he lasted the entire season. And two, he played Craig Bodie in 17 episodes of Models Inc. And then you have a name who's on the rise here playing Calvin, I'm assuming one of the players, Michael T. Williamson from Forrest Gump and the new WKRP. Okay, don't be just like from Forrest Gump. He was Bubba! Yeah! Let's not forget Bubba. He said something so profound that he was never going to forget Forrest because he was going to be a shrimp boat captain, but instead, head right on that river in Vietnam. Sad. Two more names here. Hank Rolike, who played the cut man for Apollo in Rocky. And was on an episode, Greg, of Quantum Leap from 1989. 
Okay, so season one or early season. He's on the season premiere. Season two premiere. Honeymoon Ooh. Express, April 27th, 1960. But was also on previous entry, Davis Rules as third bus driver. <laughs> and previous entry, The Last Lost Last Precinct as Sundance. So we have talked about him before. Hold on. He was Sundance. But you know who was his partner on the last precinct? Elvis! No, it wasn't Elvis. Ah, oh, damn it. It was a thing on TV, Hall of Famer. Keenan Wynn. That's right. We've made two references in this episode to Super Trade. <laughs> and then he was on the Robert Guillaume's show where he played Robert Guillaume's dad, I think. And on that one, Robert Guillaume married a white lady. So that's going to be an epic cover. Ooh. And then as contestant number one, Saffron Henderson, who was in Friday the 13th, part eight, Jason Takes Manhattan, but notably a voice actor. She played Lucrezia Noin on Gundam Wing, among other roles. I could have sworn she was on like season one of Dragon Ball Z. Episode 6, Incident at Sam September. When some of JJ's people have been taken hostage, some people from the government offer their assistance. The kidnapper demands that he turn one of his freighters to him. JJ learns that the government was using his freighter to transport arms and that there are agents on board who will stop anyone from diverting it. He then decides to make a Trojan horse by using a similar freighter, only problem, the owner is a man who J.J. has a bad relationship with. Playing Martin, I imagine that this is the man that J.J. is on bad terms with. Kent McCord. He was Martin Milner's partner on Adam-12. He was Unger, one of the pilots in Airplane 2, the sequel. And... Captain Troy on Galactica 1980. Dude gets around. But Greg, he was in four episodes of Renegade as Marshal Jack Hendricks. Okay, Mike, just get it out of your system. Talk about Bobby Sixkiller. No, that isn't even why I wanted to focus on regarding Kent McCord outside of Adam-12. What I wanted to focus on was the fact that he was D.A. Craig Alexander on five later season episodes of Silk Stockings. Another fine Stephen J. Cannell production, I should say. Sorry for those people who are disappointed I didn't get into talking about Bobby Six Killer, Four Killer, Five Killer, etc., etc., etc. Episode 7. Gold from the Rainbow. Starbuck intervenes in a feud dividing the family of the owner of a Greek roadside inn. All right, guys, get ready. Get ready for who is the proprietor of this roadside inn. Playing the Greek. No, it's not Jimmy the Greek Snyder. He was in some very hot water in 1957, so I doubt he'd be in this role, but who they got was even better. Who loves you, baby? Telly Savalas. So I got a question. Do you think that 
this Greek Roadside Inn was sponsored by the Players Club. It's in Beverly Hills, right? Something like that. No. I mean, you're talking about Las Vegas, Reno, Lake Tahoe, Atlantic City. Who loves you, baby? I got that commercial memorized from Jump, dude. Also, let's not forget the awesome parody of it by Jim Carrey on In Living Color. Would you guys like another name? I'll take that as a yes. This person is not given a character name. The actor is Ray Burke. He only played a major significant character in one of my favorite movie series of all time. He was Pap Schmear in the Naked Gun trilogy. Oh, he's that guy. Yeah! He was like the Thanos of the Naked Gun trilogy. More or less, yes. Okay. Another name of this episode, Paul Regina. He doesn't have a character name, but if you had Showtime... Now, if you had the Disney Channel... We went over this last week. If you had the Disney Channel as a kid, you were one of the cool kids. Yeah, because you got to see Carrie Russell every week on the Mickey Mouse Club. Right? Right. If you had Showtime, you were the effing man. We'll talk about why later. But uh, on Showtime, there was a show called Brothers. Paul Regina played one of the brothers. He was the one who couldn't get married in the pilot because he found out he was gay. Which is actually a pretty good show. Also, future entry, Zorro and Son. Apparently, Zorro had a kid. Well, we've talked about this. It was a a family channel thing back in the day. Disney. No, this was before the this was before the new Zorro. Oh, Oh, I thought Zorro and Son was on uh, Family Channel. No, this is that was a different Zorro. That was another Zorro. How many (laughs) Zoros are there? Well, hold on. There's the Zorro that was played by Antonio Banderas. But wasn't there like that Zorro parody on The Simpsons? <laughs> Remember that? I demand satisfaction. I challenge you to a duel. Vaguely recall that, yes. Sir, I demand satisfaction. I challenge you to a duel. <gasps> Do you accept or are you a coward? I am a coward! Yay! You go, Zorro! I, King Arthur, declare Zorro the new King of England. Yes! From the Z to the O to the double R-O, he's a dude in a mask from the barrio. With his horse and his mask and his big old sword, he'll cut your butt from a 52 cord. I could not find the sum up for episode eight, Graveyard Shift. Sorry about that. I assume it's something about working the 3 a.m. shift at a radio station. But playing Powell Umber in this episode, John Shuck. And since we mentioned John Shuck, I think it's an appropriate time to announce we are doing the spiritual successor to Shuckapalooza later on this year. Not going to say what's going on. It's going to be good, though. 
But since we mentioned John Shuck, we got to play the clip. Starfleet regulations, that's outrageous! Chico may not have a capsule for this, but I do. And as Chico or Greg or both said, it has something to do with uh, undertakers, with uh, uh, graveyards. Oh, I didn't know the undertaker was going to be in this hallway. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yes! I was waiting for Paul Bearer there. Thank you. Starbuck becomes involved in an itinerant gravedigger story about a sadistic undertaker. Episode 9, The 6% Solution. A realtor who uses underhanded tactics to keep the 6% commission flowing kills one of his clients and a former employee when they were going to blow the whistle on him and make it appear like a murder-suicide. It appears that his employee had an affair with his client's wife. Oh my. JJ, a friend of the client, shows up and after talking to the wife and meeting with the realtor, he has a funny feeling about him. But it seems the man has a solid alibi. Somebody we've talked about more than once on this podcast, BB Besh. Yes. Famous Teddy Z. Yeah. And of course, we mentioned Star Trek 2 because she was Dr. Carol Marcus in that. And Lady Blue. Oh, that's right. Lady Blue. Yes. And we have another actor playing Lieutenant Kaspersons. Somebody we've also talked about on this podcast once or twice. Robert Hooks. Yes, because he was also in the Star Trek universe because he was in Star Trek 3 The Search for Spock as Admiral Morrow because he was the one who told Kirk, Jim, don't go to Genesis. And he was like, sure. I won't go to Genesis. He totally went to the planet Genesis. Also, in previous Canal production, Hardcastle and McCormick, Stephen J. Canal watches after his people. We talked yeah. about this. Yes. But this is not going to be the last time we talk about him on this program. Oh, I can certainly say. This definitely won't be the last time we talk about Robert Hooks on this podcast. And I'm not saying anything. And I'm guessing as the big bad of the week, Don Chadway, Patrick O'Neill, Dale Coba from the original Stepford Wives. That's really all he's known for is the Stepford Wives. Yeah, but it's the Stepford Wives. Episode 10, The Circle Unbroken. A sinister cult leader attempts to frame a young woman for the murder of her senator father. Three big names. We have the return of Don Michael Paul in this episode. Marta Dubois, who we talked about a couple weeks ago with Tales of the Gold Monkey. And then playing a character named Paspan Bapu. I swear to God that's his character's name. Alan Rachens. Oh! And he would be the Sinister Cult leader in this episode. But we know him from one show. And you know what that one show is? 
I know. I know. Say it, Mike. L.A. Law. Oh, no. <laughs> did I just walk into a yes, trap? Yes, you did. No, you walked into an elevator, Mike. Well, no, that's the trap is the elevator. Isn't that right, Admiral Ackbar? It's a trap. We can't, like, credit him for being on Dharma and Greg. We have to go with L.A. Law only. He was oh, a yeah. semi-regular on To Tell the Truth with John O'Hurley. Oh, that's right. I forgot he was on To Tell the Truth with John O'Hurley. Notice I did not play that clip. What clip, Mike? Episode 11. <laughs> so as I was saying, episode 11, Murder by Design. Starbuck investigates a scheming interior design editor who seems to have committed the perfect murder. And playing that fashion designer. Oh, huge name. Bryn Colton is the name. The actress, the legendary Jessica Walter. Oh, yeah. We miss Jessica Walter. Here's $20. Go see a Star War. She was awesome on Archer. Oh, she was awesome on Archer and Arrested Development. And Dinosaurs. Am I the only one who's remembering her from Dinosaurs? Yeah, she was great on Dinosaurs. But let's remember, they couldn't call it steroids. They're thornoids. One more big name in this episode. Playing a character by the name of Esko Toke, Western legend, Jack Elam. Talk about Once Upon a Time in the West. Talk about Support Your Local Sheriff. Talking about the Cannonball Run. Wait, the Cannonball Run's not a Western. He was in that? Everybody was in Cannibal Run. And you know who was in Cannibal Run 2? Jackie Chan? Well, besides Jackie Chan. Mike, next week, future Hall of Famer Joe Klecko. He was in was Cannonball in- Run 2? Yeah, Joe Klecko was in Cannonball Run 2. And we're not talking about the It Was a Thing on TV Hall of Fame. We're talking about the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yes, because he's about to be inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, we're, we're talking about a real, legit, tangible Hall of Fame. Not, not some pie-in-the-sky Hall of Fame until one of us hits the lottery and gets the life-size statue of McLean Stevenson. $910 million, people! Be silent! Could you imagine? Uh, why did I get some Don West vibes there? What if, like, if we actually built the Hall of Fame, like, one day we had the McLean Stevenson statue wear like a Joe Klecko Mitchell Ness jersey. Oh my god. The one with like the 1984 AFL Silver Anniversary patch on it. Hold on, that's gonna be the spoiler without context. McLean Stevenson and Joe Klecko jersey? No, the Joe Klecko Mitchell Ness jersey with the oh, okay. AFL I, I thought putting a Joe Clicko jersey on McLean Stevenson would be great. I don't think Chat GPT is advanced yet that we can tell it. Can you put a Joe Clicko Mitchell test jersey on a statue of McLean Stevenson? I'm on the case. That? Oh no, no, no! Oh, don't, geez, don't we can't. We're not ready for it. There's an important thing we have to point out before we go over the five episodes. 
up till now, NBC has been fitting this show in with Matlock, and it sort of kind of fits into the demographic, but the ratings were, as the kids would say, mid. Especially given the fact that its momentum was interrupted by two weeks of the NLCS and one week of the World Series on ABC. And as I've mentioned plenty of times on this podcast, the NLCS at 87 was Giants-Cardinals, and that was the memorable Jeffrey Leonard one-flap-down NLCS. But that wasn't the only thing that was hampering the show. Because before the show was slated to go back into production for the rest of the season, Dale Robertson was at home on his ranch in Oklahoma when he took a tumble from a horse and injured his hip and leg. Meaning he's not going to be able to be as mobile as he was in the first few episodes. But the writers were smart. They wrote the injury into the series. And aside from that, they gave JJ a new partner. Now, if you remember a year or so ago, we did Marvel Month, and we covered a little show with Jeff Goldblum and Ben Vereen on it that was also produced by Stephen J. Cannell. Just a minor correction, we actually did 10-speed in Brown Shoe when Thor Love and Thunder came out. Look, I had to do the voiceover explaining it or Greg would have gotten the Goffery Chancery guy or whoever the hell his name was that did the opening VO for that episode for this correction. Don't call it a comeback. Ben Vereen returns as EL 10-speed Turner. Fresh off of doing a bid in Zubilee Zoo in full costume as a snow leopard named Mayor Ben. What a stretch. Ben Vereen played a character named Mayor Ben. <laughs> 10-speed is basically back to his old tricks, but this time they give him, because J.J. Starbuck injured, but still loaded as hell, they give him disguises! So, not only do we have the folksy J.J., we also have the young, hip, modern, con artist 10-speed. So, it becomes... He's an oil magnet. He's a con artist. They fight crime. And he's introduced, or I guess you should say reintroduced, in this episode. Episode 12, Cactus Jack's Last Call. JJ goes to meet a friend, Cactus Jack, who's a gambler. While they're out driving, someone runs into them. Cactus Jack is killed. JJ is injured and ends up in the hospital. Later, a man posing as a priest enters J.J.'s room and sees him going through his things. He later meets him again at his friend's memorial and learns he's Conmad Tenspeed Turner, who's also a friend of Cactus Jack. They set out to find why he was killed. When a man whom Cactus Jack made a wager with also has a brush with death, they think it might have something to do with the wager. Cactus Jack... I don't know if we talked about him or we will talk about him but he is played by the inimitable Pat Corley 
he played the sheriff in Saved by the Bell wedding in Las Vegas, if you remember that. But let's not bury the lead here. He's Phil on Murphy Brown. Well, all I got to say is, Cactus Jack, you don't look like Mick Foley to me. I was waiting for that. Episode 13, a song from the sequel. JJ's in L.A. to finalize a charitable project. He then meets a young man who appears to be homeless and curious as to how someone so young ended up like that. He approaches him and talks to him. Eventually, he finds out that his father was the head of a movie studio who was murdered, and he was the prime suspect because they had antagonistic relationships, especially when it came to his stepmother, whom he pegged as a gold digger. He thinks she did it, but she had what appeared to be a solid alibi. Everybody has a solid alibi on this show. So the focus turns to him, but when the murder weapon was not found, the DA couldn't press charges against him, but she managed to get him blackballed, which is how he ended up on the streets. JJ offers to help him prove she didn't kill his father. A couple of big names, including somebody we talked about before. Speaking of Murphy Brown, Joe Regalbudo as Stephen Capstone. We talked about him on previous entries, Street Hawk and Ace Crawford Private Eye. But again, 180 episodes of Murphy Brown. Who's going to forget him? And then you have as Rachel Capstone, Jill St. John, who played Tiffany Case in one of our favorite Bond movies ever. Diamonds are forever. So if you're keeping score, that's now two references to Diamonds are forever. Oh, timeout. I was looking up Cannonball Run 2's cast on Wikipedia. Do you know who's in the cast of Cannonball Run 2? Who's in the cast of Cannonball Run 2? Telly Savalas. Episode 14. Hold on, before we do that, before we do that, uh, look what I'm putting in the chat. You son of a bitch. (laughs) You You actually did it. That's why I've been so quiet like the last 10 minutes, because, yeah, I I was trying to find an AI generator to create an image, and there it is. You son of a bitch. That might be the spoiler of that context this week. (laughs) No, we have to save it until like Thursday. And then after the episode is posted, we're going to post it. You spoony barb, Mike. Episode. Also, hold on. I love that McLean looks like he's smoking about to smoke a cigarette. Why does he? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Hold up. Hold up. Hold all the way up. Why does McLean Stevenson look like John Shuck? (laughs) <laughs> why make this make sense I'm just the messenger the, the, <laughs> the AI that, that created that hold on it's not even a Joe Klecko jersey I don't see like a 7 it looks like he's wearing a Freeman McNeil jersey well again it was created by AI and actually that was probably the best one of the four the other ones he's one of the he almost looks like Gerald Ford wearing a, a green number 2 jersey Oh my god, Mike! This man has seven fingers! 
Wait, 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 wait. What? This man has seven fingers. One, two, three, four, five. Oh my god. What the f are you trying to do, Mike? Why is he playing football? Why isn't McLean Stevenson like a major league baseball pitcher with seven fingers? You know, some of those relievers, they have those extra fingers. Okay, so as I was saying, the other three pictures, one looks like Gerald Ford wearing a number two jersey. (laughs) Uh, Which he would do, by the way. (laughs) uh, Another one looks like, almost like a cross between Gerald Ford and McLean Stevenson. And he's wearing, I think it's like an 89 jersey. And then the last one, I don't even know what the f*** is going on here. This is in black and white. Looks almost more like Alton Brown than McLean Stevenson. And on his right sleeve, it says number two. But then on his shoulder, it says zero. And the number on the jersey itself is like like a combination of the number nine and the number three. (laughs) It's a three nine. But there's a two here and a zero and this nine three hybrid. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hold on, time out. I gotta make a correction here. I said Joe Klecko was in Cannonball Run too. I'm mistaken. He was in the OG Cannonball Run. But you know who was in Cannonball Run too? Jackie Chan! We went over this! No. Joe Theismann was in Cannonball Run too. Oh. So wait, I did this AI thing for something that you made a mistake on? But hey, it was funny. (laughs) Hey, we got a new character. Seven-fingered McLean Stevenson. (laughs) Seven-fingered McLean Stevenson. (laughs) Who knew? Max Seven-fingers. Who knew he was such a big fan of the New York Sack Exchange? (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) He would do a Gastineau dance. Wait, was he in the Gastineau dance week episode of Match Game Hollywood Squares? I'm sorry, the only thing going on in my mind now is thinking about if uh, Tom Brady was in this picture, he'd have enough rings for all his fingers, or almost. He wouldn't be putting five on one hand and one on the other. He could put them all on one hand. And then he could punch you with his ring hand. I'm sorry for And then there'd be Tom like a Brady. Meme. Hold on, time. And then there'd be like the meme of the picture of like the text about how all those rings are painted. I'm sorry for invoking the name Tom Brady there. Oh my you should God. be sorry. No, I'm sorry that AI created that image. Seven fingers. And it totally slipped by me to one of you mentioned it. I told you what the fuck are the missing fingers coming from? AI, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. That's the moral of the story right there. Just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Resolve the strike, people! Hold on. This is off a striker. We're going to be getting more content. (laughs) (laughs) Stevenson with seven fingers. Hey, you know what would be pretty interesting with seven fingers? 
if he gives you the middle finger, he's actually got three fingers on both sides. <laughs> Wait, Greg wants to talk. This is one of the greatest segments in show history. This has got to be up there with fat dancing. <laughs> this has got to be up there with like the sex swing, the lost from- precinct. <laughs> We've had two great books. Yeah, this is the last of the summer episodes. We are literally giving it all we've got. Yeah, that means there's not going to be this outrageous humor next week. Sorry, people. Sorry. It's definitely making the best of whenever I assembled that one day. Now I have to remove one of the episodes that I had on my list and put this one in. You saved me that job. I was going to do the same. Or Greg can just put it on his list and we can retain both of our lists. There you go. Seven Finger McLean Stevens. I'm sorry, I'm looking at this stupid damn image. You've seen Mike, you've created it. You can't uncreate it. Oh my gosh. Our socials are gonna be flooded with this picture on for Thursday. Oh my gosh. Oh, Please, please, can we just, can we just, can we Burn just... AI forever, yes. <laughs> Take sledgehammers and magnets to the AI computers, please. <laughs> it's such a stupid picture. Okay, so anyhow, we've got like, what, four episodes left? We've got three episodes to go, and this is episode 14. Permanent hiatus. A friend of JJ's who has a TV show on a TV station JJ owns is facing the possibility of cancellation, much like we are after that last segment. So he <laughs> tries to eliminate his competition by framing her for killing her assistant that he was trying to lure away from her. He even uses JJ as an alibi. JJ decides to help the woman that he has 10 speed check out things at the station. Speaking of Save by the Bell wedding in Las Vegas, we have Melody Rogers as the assistant. And as Ted Fuller, the big bad of the episode, Ed Nelson. He was in a lesser Police Academy movie, Police Academy 3, back in training. But was on all 514 episodes of Peyton Place. Oh, and we're going to talk about him next week. Two weeks of Ed Nelson in a row. Can the world handle it? No. We actually talked about him before, you know? We talked about him. Yeah, we talked about him, but yeah. Finder of Lost Loves back on Valentine's Day. Oh, no. We talked about him earlier this year, not just in Finder of Lost Loves. He was in the movie Superdome. Yes! So, really, low-key, legit Hall of Fame case, because this is at least the third time we're talking about him, and we're going to talk about him next week, so that's four. Damn you, Donna Mills! Episode 15. Ragdoll. Ragdoll! Ragdoll! Oh my gosh, my voice cracked. I must have just hit puberty. I'm sorry, that actually was painful. Ow. Note to self, don't try those high notes again. 
With assistance from 10 Speed, JJ goes to Hollywood to look into the disappearance of his niece. Uh oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. A couple of known names on this episode playing Benny Benjamin Franklin Bijou, Michael DeBar. Now, he is an actor, to be sure, and he's been in, like, two episodes of MacGyver. But if I'm not mistaken, he's the lead singer of The Knack. And, yeah, Sharona. Yeah. And The Power Station. But aside from that, he was also in Future Entries, Four Kings, New York Days, Marker, and at least one episode of Seinfeld, Greg. He was in The Smelly Car while he was doing the previously mentioned Hat Squad. Another name in this episode, playing Robert Bobby Tinch, Xander Berkeley from 24. One more episode. The Rise and Fall of Joe Piermont. JJ is shocked to learn 10 Speed may be double-crossing him in their investigation of a father-son cover-up. Playing Joe Piermont, Barry Nelson. Wait, are we talking about the Barry Nelson that played James Bond in that episode of Climax? I believe we are. And here's the thing, we're going to talk about him again next week. Yeah, same situation like we just mentioned like 10 minutes ago. Same show, I should say. And we talked about him in the past. Besides that episode of Climax where he played James Bond, he was in the Ropers for an episode as Uncle Bill. And here's Boomer. So this is now four. Next week will be five. We have a Hall of Fame case for Barry Nelson. But this episode was actually put on hold because by the time it aired, NBC had already canceled the series. They basically bounced the show around from Saturday to Tuesday and back to Saturday. Because when it premiered on Saturday, it aired at 9.30. Opposite a movie. Gunsmoke returned to Dodge. And Fox's Duet, which may or may not be a future entry. Oh, and a little show on CBS called Jake and the Fat Man. Wasn't that Danish? Was it cheese? I got a little problem with cheese. NBC slotted. J.J. Starbuck in its regular time slot after Matlock and before Future Entry Crime Story, but guess what CBS would do? They would put it on opposite Jake and the Fat Man. Yeah, but look what ABC is hearing at that time. Oh! This was before Sybil Shepard and Bruce Willis did it! This is moonlighting before it jumps the shark. Oh my god. Yeah, before yeah, they boned. Let's be honest. Oh no, but before you go on, there's more time slots if you want to go over it. Hold on, I gotta hold on. Somebody's at the door. Is it Secretariat? No, it's pizza. 
Oh. Keys, did you order pizza? Give me one second. Now, Keys, hold on, Mike. Pizza? Mike, before yeah. you... Hold on. I want to send you some... I went to that website that you uh, got that image of. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, I was going to wait till it was over. Okay. I made... I told that AI to make an image of McLean Stevenson in the Joe Flacco jersey at Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, no. This is literally... This is what it made. Okay? And you're going to see it, and Chico hasn't seen it. Okay, I got some issues. That's not a Joe Klecko jersey. No, it's not. What the heck is that shirt? I can't tell what that logo is. But also, what is up with his eyes? I am a fat pig. Say it. I'm sorry, while Chico made that declaration in the background, I hope people heard. What is going on with, with the eyes? He either has two black eyes or he hasn't don't gotten say, any sleep in about it. three weeks. Don't spoil it. He doesn't know. I want him to wait till after we're done. He's getting pizza. He's not hearing any of no, this. It wasn't He's right me. here. It wasn't me. It was Kiesel. She ordered stuff. Oh, Why did well. she order stuff? Did you pay attention to anything we talked about the last 90 seconds? No. Okay, good. good. Then, you know, he, he didn't get spoiled. Okay, good. Okay. So he'll we'll, have to listen to the episode on Thursday to see what we're talking about. You son of a bitch. <laughs> well, that's what you get for uh, leaving uh, your station. Okay. So, as I was saying, uh, the time slots. So, we talked about the premiere on a Saturday night. Then we talked about it going to Tuesday night, where it ran up against Jake and the Fat Man and Moonlighting. And also, for a while, it ran up against the uh, playoffs, the baseball playoffs on ABC. But then it moved again. It moved from Tuesday. Now it moved to Saturday again. This is after baseball. This is late November of 1987. 10 o'clock on Saturday on NBC. This is a stacked lineup minus that. Uh, you got the final season of The Facts of Life. You've got 227. You've got Golden Girls. You've got Amen. There's J.J. Starbuck. It went up against Hotel on ABC and West 57th on CBS. If you remember West 57th, uh, sort of a 60 minutes-ish type of news it was 60 program. minutes, but with street cred. That's a good way of phrasing it. Yeah, but we're not done yet because it moved again. It moved back to Tuesday, believe it or not, where, again, it was up against Moonlighting. And then at least on uh, this is December uh, 15th, it was up against uh, the Circus of the Stars. But then it bounced back to Saturdays against uh, The Room on ABC and West 57th. And then, oh my gosh, here it goes again. ABC Sports killing J.J. Starbuck because on Saturday nights in February of 1988, what would have been airing? The Winter Olympics from Calgary. The Winter Olympics from Calgary, specifically the ice hockey game on uh, 
February the 13th between the United States and Austria. Oh, damn. You're not beating baseball. You're not beating the Olympics. Who knew Austrian hockey was a draw over J.J. Starbuck? And then it moved back to Tuesdays. I'm looking at April of 1988, where, again, it's going up against moonlighting. But it looks like, at least this week, it's going up against possibly a movie of the week on CBS. Definitely not Jake and the Fat Man. Well, it's outside of sweeps, so it almost has to. And how about one more move because we haven't had enough? How about we move it again to Wednesday during summer of 1988? I think this was for the last episode, the last original episode uh, we talked about, plus reruns. It went to 8 p.m. on Wednesdays. Date I'm looking at is August 3rd of 88. It went up, and this... This is going to be mind-blowing when you hear it. On ABC, it went up against Growing Pains and Head of the Class. It went up against my show? Yeah, Alan. It went up against your show. Alan Thixback, in pog form, but on CBS. You're not going to believe what it went up against. For the third time, it went up against Jake and the Fat Man. Oh, God. You cannot. You know what? This show died so Jake and the Fat Man could live. This show died so William Conrad could ask about the Danish. I'm looking at the entire listing of Fall of 87. There were 125 shows. It placed in 47th, tying it with 30-something, which would have been renewed, and the final season of St. Elsewhere. Yeah, the ratings from what I saw were actually pretty decent. They were decent enough. Well, well, they were constantly in like the 20s, 30s, maybe sometimes dipping into the 40s. Well, they were good enough for any network besides NBC, because remember, NBC was the network in the mid to late 80s. I mean, your top show on NBC was... Mr. Black. With 27.8. This show, J.J. Starbuck, had half that audience. Which would have been enough to be renewed if you were on CBS or ABC, but not when you're America's Most Watched Network. I'm looking at all of the shows that were below this on NBC. I think the lowest rated show in the season on NBC that was still renewed, something called Sunny Spoon. What the hell is that? That's going to be something we cover sometime. I don't know. Sunny Spoon? Sunny Spoon. Here we are, face to face, Just a couple of sunny spoons. You shut your mouth. As if we haven't given you enough hints for next week's first episode, there's another hint for next week's first episode. Uh, Okay, I have it right here. Sunny Spoon is an American crime drama created by Michael Daly, Diana Prince, Randall Wallace, and Stephen J. Cannell. 
starring Mario Van Peebles as Sonny, a hip black private investigator who uses his street smarts and cool persona to solve crimes. So, again, he's a hip black private investigator. She's an attractive district attorney. They fight crime. That's basically every Stephen J. Knell show, if you really think about it. Well, mostly every Stephen And did we Knell. mention that his father was there, too? Oh, yeah. The great Melvin Van Peebles was involved. And he just passed away recently, Melvin Van Peebles. But yeah, this show was never given an official home release, but you can find episodes on DVD if you know where to look. And that's all I'll say about that, because frankly, after... 10 years of doing private eye shows, all of Stephen J. Cannell's products sort of kind of begin to run together. And that was really the problem with Stephen J. Cannell Productions from the mid to late 80s onward. Silk stockings notwithstanding. Oh yeah, because as we all know. What the hell was that? That's eugenics. Well, there's two things I got to say before we put a lid on this. One, and I'm not going to use the breaking news sounder for this. I just read that Inga Swenson died. If you remember her from Soap and Benson. Mm-hmm. Gretchen Krauss. That's the, the one. The fake, fake German. Actually from Milwaukee, if I'm not mistaken. But also, second, how about we do a Joey Gallo update? It's the Joey Gallo update! So, Joey Gallo, as I told the guys earlier tonight, I want to keep an eye on him for the next week because I wonder if he may be traded. Or maybe even not traded, he may be released. Uh, He's been riding the bench quite a bit lately. It's kind of hard to have a job in the major leagues when your batting average is 179. So he had the hit tonight, and on Wednesday he had a hit. He had a double and got an RBI. But still, it's not looking really good because looking at the game logs, a lot of games where he had three at-bats and four at-bats and no hits. 179 average is not going to cut it, even if you hit 17 home runs. I'm thinking he may be traded soon or benched or released. I don't think he's going to be around uh, in uh, Minnesota much longer. Well, I'll tell you right now, if he does stay in Minnesota, it'll pee for the St. Paul Saints. That may be the next spot, the uh, Independent League. Well, no, St. Paul's the... uh... Wins triple A team now. I don't even know if he'd accept a triple A uh, assignment. I mean, that's almost kind of demeaning given how long he's been in the league, but that's neither here nor there. Well, to close, JJ Starbuck, he couldn't beat the fat man thrice. So in the end, him and 10 speed just became a thing on TV. You said thrice. Twice. Twice, he said. Thrice. Three times. Thrice. Because 
Jacob the, the Fat Man went up against it three times. Yeah, I was referring to 10 speed. Oh, yeah, not, 10 speed. Not many people twice. can say that they were a thing on TV twice. No. But hey, we still have Zoobly Zoo. So that'll wrap it up for this week. Please don't forget, we're on social media everywhere. At it was a thing on TV, except for Facebook, we have at it was a thing on TV podcast. We're on Hive. We're on Threads. We still have a presence on Twitter X, whatever it's called this week. But I think that presence is sort of diminishing because, well, Twitter X, whatever it is, is diminishing. And of course, we got the YouTube channel. Like, subscribe, hit the bell, stay notified with all our current releases, including, oh, next week, big week. We go back to two episodes. The first episode, we have referred to this numerous times this week. When we were talking about, oh, we're going to talk about this person next week. This is the episode we're going to talk about him. We've been talking about this for some time, and this is one of those shows that... Really, when you look at the history of television, one of the biggest stars in TV history was on this. And this is like totally outside of his like character. Very weird. But then the second episode next week, we celebrate a milestone, episode 400. And we have something very special for episode 400. Isn't that right, Greg? Oh, yes. And we talked about the creator of this show earlier in the episode. And you know, for our milestones, whenever we hit something that ends in 50 or double zero, you know we give it our best. We save the good stuff for those episodes. So you probably want to listen next week to episode 400. And we have a live show. Susan St. James is turning 77 soon. Oh, God bless her. And last year, what did we watch in her honor last year? Oh, we did Uh-Oh, the uh, the Canadian game show for That's her right. birthday. That's right. This year, maybe a spiritual successor? Kind of? Just going to have to tune in and find out as we celebrate 77 years of Susan St. James and a landmark episode. That's all next week right here on It Was a Thing on TV. For Greg, for Mike, I'm Chico. Thank you ever so much for listening. Please be kind to one another, and we will see you for the big one! Wow! Do you enjoy the fabulous resort cities, Atlantic City, Las Vegas, Reno, Lake Tahoe? Do you have as much free time as I do? Then what are you waiting on? Get yourself a Players Club. You'll receive up to 110% off on shows, rooms, and meals. With the Players Club, you'll get VIP treatment, baby. I'll have a suite with a heart-shaped bed. I'm sorry. With- Bellboy. And with the club, there's no problem getting good seats. Tony, can you fit me in? Nah, man, I'm... Bingo. Front row. 
Use the Players Club in casinos, banks, or anywhere else you want to throw your weight around. The Players Club. It's a mucho's dream.